Welcome to the 16th episode of Outsiders. Outsiders is a podcast that features innovative women, queer culture, and conversation. My name is Julia Curtis Burns, but today is a little bit different because I have my first ever man on my podcast. Can you tell us what your name is and what you do? My name is Donovan Thompson, and I am... Well, I do mostly, I write for the Huffington Post, mostly for what is now called Queer Voices, formerly known as Gay Voices, which is um, the highlight right now of my life. And um, I'm also launching a web show, a talk show called Apartment 17 next month. So that's also exciting. So yeah, I consider myself to be an artist, an activist, and an advocate for our community. Awesome. Awesome. And Donovan and I were on a panel, and I met him, and I was like, he's awesome. So I had to ask You're him awesome. for an interview. Yes. So, so okay. So mm-hmm. one of the things I like to talk about is identity. Yeah. And you just mentioned that Huffington Post changed the term from gay voices to queer voices. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about why, and then what terms you claim and feel comfortable okay. identifying? Okay, absolutely. Well, so... From my understanding, especially with the information that they released out before the change and then during the change and then after the change, is that they find that the word queer is more encompassing. Like, it encompasses people who identify as gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. And I know that usually, um, or intersex, all of there, there's so many different terms. I actually was reading an article, well, at least the description of an article before you actually click on it, that was mm-hmm. on Facebook. And the acronym was like L-G-B-T-Q-R-S-P-K-L-L-T. And it was crazy. While I understand it, I think that what has happened is that, you know, people are using the term queer to kind Mm -hmm. of be an umbrella over everything. Um, So to answer your question about how do I identify, I identify as a gay male. The term queer doesn't bother me. It just has never been a part of my vernacular. So I've never subscribed to it, although it doesn't bother me. So if, and I think the reason why is because it's, I've always heard it in a negative connotation. Hmm. Um, Like, for example, if you watch like one of those movies from like the 1950s or 60s, even the 70s and probably the 80s too, but I'm not really familiar too many Mm -hmm. 80s movies aside from, you know, like Sister Act. But anyway, (laughs) even though that was the 90s, so whatever. That was like, that was definitely 90s. So that's a correction. Sister Act 2 is my favorite. Yes, that's my favorite Mm. movie of all time, along with The Outsiders. So (gasps) I love Oh. That the name of your podcast. Oh, the thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I always had this, you know, negative association with the term queer. Like, oh, queer, you better, I'm going to beat your ass queer. Like, you know, you hear stuff like that. Um, so I was like, oh, that's a bad word. But it wasn't until recently that as I've gotten more accustomed to the terminologies and the, and the I would say, the varieties of people who identify under the umbrella, under the umbrella of LGBTQ, that Q has birthed uh, a kind of like a renaissance or a different approach to the actual LGBT situation. Mm. And I'm, you know, I, once again, I don't think that I'll ever in conversation tell people, hi, my name is Donovan and I'm queer. I don't think that'll ever happen for me, but it just, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Mm. Do you think it's more of something that women identify with? I mean, I don't know much about the different terms like in the gay male Right. Community. I find that a lot of women now are saying, I'm a queer woman, especially 
queer women of color. That's Really? Yeah, so I don't know if it's the same. I don't think it's the same, at least not in my particular yeah. social circle. I almost, I cannot even recall one time where I've met a man who's identified yeah. himself as a queer, or as queer, I should say. Um, not once. So Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if that's something that's becoming more common amongst women. women. That perhaps. is interesting, and that may be perhaps. But that would be interesting, considering, hmm, considering the the changes that I see in the vocab, it seems to be such an umbrella mm. term mm. that I wonder if maybe women have identified with it perhaps for a more specific reason mm. where maybe males can't because we've subscribed to the gay or, um, you know, bisexual terms. Like maybe we're really super familiar with those and maybe while women maybe not don't only subscribe to, mm. you know, lesbian or um, to... Uh, you know, gay or bisexual, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's something else there. That sounds like I need to do a little bit of research on that. But, <laughs> but that's something interesting that, like, you made me think about just now. I'm wondering if that could be the case. Yeah. Because I find for women, it's either you say you're lesbian. And, and, I, and I'm and i honestly finding that it's a lot of sort of older women that mm. still mm. really claim to the term lesbian. Mm-hmm. You know, and then younger women um, are... are becoming more comfortable with the word queer. I'm not generalizing everybody. I'm just saying. Right, just saying. And that actually may be a really, really good point because I've been doing a lot of research about what is going on in the space of of the web and having these talk shows and having these um, platforms where we can talk about these issues but, you know, put a, put a face to, to the brand or to the name yeah. or to the conversation um, in ways that we haven't been exposed to. So I've been doing a lot of research. And today, I actually saw maybe a good three minutes of uh, this talk show. I forget the name of it. Okay. But it came up in Google as one of my... No, I'm sorry. On YouTube as one of my searches for, like, gay um, web show or whatever I typed in. And there was an older woman who was Ooh. on the panel who said, I identify as lesbian. I know it may be old school. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's really interesting of her to say. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting Mm -hmm. of her to say. Mm -hmm. So there might be something to that. Was she a black woman? Yeah. Interesting. Black woman. She looked like she's probably in her early 50s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm finding it's becoming like a young people thing. Like, I'm queer. But you know, it's cool. I like to look at how uh, words are embraced. Like, certain words are embraced. Like, I don't hear... Maybe I don't hear that many people embracing like dyke or right, you know, those kinds of terms. Yeah, but queer is something that, yes, historically it's been kind of had a negative connotation. Yeah. Now it's like something that people really like. I think that that is really, really interesting. I want to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it has to do with people not really subscribing to the limitations of the words that already are in existence, mm-hmm. or at least that we've got comfortable with over the over the last couple of decades. And like queer has probably emerging as a nice place where people can find a sense of identity that doesn't, is not as restricting as like a gay. Because some people may say, yeah. like some women I know have said, oh, I'm a gay woman. I say that. Oh, you do say yeah, that. I say that. Right. And then other women are like, nah. No, that's not who I am. I can't mm-hmm. identify that word that's produced. You know, so I think that... that you know, I've always thought that was interesting. I've said this a lot on my podcast, but the reason uh-huh. I like gay is because anywhere I go in the world, I feel like people will understand me mm-hmm. straight out. Like, right. know that's exactly true. what I mean. That and that's why I like true. gay, even though, yes, I know it's typically male 
Um, but also, I think for the way that I present, mm-hmm. I don't mm. know. I think gay suits me more. Mm. Okay. I never thought about that. I'm just, I'm just saying that right now because I mean the reason this podcast is called Outside Hers is because I want to talk about I love things. That. I love that. <laughs> I want to talk about things that are sort of going beyond what it means to be a woman or even to think about femininity and what does that mean. Exactly. And that that's interesting. I think that that's another reason why, why people probably feel, why women in particular may feel more comfortable with the term queer. Mm. Because what if you are were born um, a female, excuse me, a woman, I hate the term female sometimes, but if you were born a woman and, or, or you were born with, um, you know, a female genitalia, and then as you, as you lived your life, you decide that this doesn't necessarily work for you, then how can the term lesbian work for you, right? Because it's, it's a woman who, who likes women. If you don't necessarily identify mm. with that, there's no fluidity in that term. And then if you believe that gay belongs to men, then once again, there's no fluidity in that term. Right. And then you have the birth of where do I belong? Yeah. You know, where is the vernacular that describes me? Yeah. And then I'm sure that has a lot to do with that. Yeah. So, I mean, huh. wow. We're having a breakthrough moment. We're having aha <laughs> moments up in here. Hashtag Oprah. That's Oprah awesome. moments. Um, okay. But, so, okay. So one thing that I was a little shy about originally mm-hmm. and that I discovered about myself is I used to think, okay, well, I'm only attracted to a certain look mm-hmm. of women. Mm-hmm. But what I've found is, interestingly, I'm attracted to feminine energy, and that can sometimes be in a man that is um, mm-hmm. feminine presenting. If that mm, yes, word makes I get sense. it. Yeah. Um, but I was just curious to to know a little bit more about whether that's something that I don't know happens in the in your community or with you or wow 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 that is awesome <laughs> okay so for me well what I found I'm going to speak about the community okay. and I'm speak for myself so I come from a Caribbean background mm. uh, my family is Jamaican. Are you born? Here? I was born. Oh. I'm, yeah, I'm born. I was born in Brooklyn. 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 Um, I'm the only one who doesn't live in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we will adopt you. It's fine. Um, but but and it's a very it's a culture that celebrates cisgender heteronormativity and all of the bullshit that comes along mm-hmm. with that. Right? We subscribe to that traditionally. And that really, really does encompass masculinity and more so even hypermasculinity in, in a lot of cases. And I've, and I've learned just culturally um, as I was growing up that if you, you have to present yourself in a masculine way if you're a man, if you're a mm. boy. And anything, anything contrary to that is terrible. So even within the gay community, um, I have experienced a lot of men who regardless of what they may internally be attracted to, it is that you present yourself as a masculine man. And then Mm. subsequently you are attracted to masculine men, whether or not there's anything inside of you that says otherwise, right? So for me, I subscribed to that for a long time, even so much so that I was very like, I'm never going to like bottom. Like that's like something that I would never do because that would mean that I'm feminine. But then at the same time, the men who traditionally would be bottoms would be more feminine once again, this is not, I'm not painting with a broad brush, but we're, yeah. we're talking about the psyche, right? So it would be weird. It's like, well, 
I only like guys who like are really masculine because that's what I'm supposed to like. And then, but then they're running around saying that they're tops too. It was like this real cir- this so circle of just complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for myself, what has been amazing is that in my own personal transformation, getting closer to who Donovan was, mm. right? And now who I know who I am was that I have an extreme appreciation and I can celebrate a balance of masculine and feminine energy. So, so sometimes for me, I can go in either direction. I can really, really like a very, very masculine man, but then I can really, really, really like feminine men as well. Mm. Um, and almost exactly the same in that I really, really appreciate this man for this. And I really, really appreciate this man for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider myself to be a balance of the two. And I think that that's why maybe I have an appreciation for both things, but it wasn't until I kind of unlearned this, you know, ridiculous idea of, uh, masculinity and what it means and how is that associated with manhood. And I, I realized that it, there is no yeah. real, you know, boxed in type of definition for that not that i would subscribe to anyway anymore so for me i yeah sometimes i i I love the energy of a woman but i wouldn't say that i'm necessarily attracted to it like if a woman came in and she was like super masculine um would i be like "Ooh, i really really like that no that has never happened for me well, um, but I can appreciate it. I can yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's the then, same for me. It's like an appreciation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's uh, ooh, interesting. She's kind of handsome. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I've experienced that. And I've also experienced um, the exact opposite of just appreciating the feminine ways of a woman and how mm. how just awesome and magical that can be as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it kind of runs the gamut with me. Um, but definitely as it pertains to like men. I've learned that I can appreciate everything and celebrate every everybody for for, for whoever whomever they yeah. are. So it's been an evolution though. I've yeah, come that's a, long a way. that's a journey though. It is. It's a journey. It's taken me like ten years to yeah. finally have a style and be okay with how I think about myself inside is now reflected outside. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't know if it was like that for you if too. That's exactly how or, it was. Well, Once I got my shit together internally yeah. was when I was able to celebrate and appreciate everybody else outside of myself. Because mm. it really is. Your perception has a lot to do with how you perceive yourself. That's how you perceive the world. And it's been amazing. I, I always say that I was really lucky because when I was 14, I met my now best friend and she, I told her like maybe the second week I knew her, I was like, I'm gay. It's just fucking weird. I don't know what to do. And she was like, it's cool, like, relax, like, let's just, all right, let's just figure this all out. And she, like, oh. went to the library and got me, like, a book, and that's so. it's amazing. been an, I got to start my journey a little bit earlier than I would say a lot of, like, even my friends have, and um, it's gotten me to a place where I just feel ultra comfortable, mm-hmm. and, and seeing people be comfortable in their skin, regardless of what that looks like, I find to be very attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, so when you were 14, mm-hmm. you already knew. Mm-hmm. I knew just... younger than that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, you knew and you accepted. Yeah, I knew and I accepting. Because you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I always knew I was different, but it took me a long time to say, like, okay, I'm actually gay. And then when I was like, okay, I'm actually gay, I was like, well, I can't let people know. I gotta I gotta hide it because I'm right. actually gay. Right, <laughs> you right. know, like, I, it yeah. was a long process. So, like, whoa. When you came out to your friend, mm-hmm. you had already kind of, no, actually, my friend helped me a lot. With okay. What, you know, a lot of people believe that you're, that, that whoever is going to be your soulmate has to be the person that you're going to be with, partnered mm. with. 
It's not true for me. My soulmate is my best friend. We were soulmates. When I met her, there was just something about her that made me feel like I could be extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I had never uttered the words out of my mouth until then, Mm -hmm. until I spoke to her about it. And when she accepted me for who I was and because I was a whole lot of great things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was super smart. I was a singer. And I was really popular. And I did all of that stuff. Like, everything that was cool, that was me. Except that I was gay. Right. And that was, like, my Achilles heel, right? Like, that was the thing that made me not perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, she really, really said, this has nothing. This does not define um, who you are. It's a part of who you are. You know, so how awesome is it that you can be fully who you are? And she gave me the courage and the motivation to really, really do some internal work, right? Mm -hmm. She kind of held my hand through a lot of it. So much so that by the time I got to my sophomore year, I told another friend. And when I got to junior year, I actually went one by one to my core friends and I told them. And they each were like, yeah, dude, it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Some were shocked. Some were like, dude, we already knew that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know? And, And it was amazing. So I did a bulk of the work. In um in high school, mm. I did a, the bulk of like I'm still cool. I'm still prom king. I still you were have, prom king. I was okay. prom king. Gay I all. see you. Yeah. Um. And you know there were certain like certain environments I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything. But I had like a boyfriend junior year, and we were like everybody I think kind of knew. Mm. Um. Or maybe they didn't. I don't know. But you know I just began to really feel comfortable with myself mm. during those those years. Fourteen. 15. So mm. I did a lot of work as I was changing. As my voice was getting deeper, as <laughs> I was, you know, finding out, like, who is Donovan, really? Mm. It was, I was really, really lucky that I had her. Without her, I don't think I would have been able to really get that kind of, like, boost or, like, be set, you know, that type of trajectory, yeah. I should say. Yeah. The universe sends us soulmates to awaken something inside of us oh, and help definitely. us make a very important transition. Yeah, you know? and that's exactly what it was, a transition for me. Yeah. Yeah. And without that soulmate connection, it's it's very difficult to do it on your own. So yeah. I always see it as such a blessing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. I, I, every time I can tell somebody, like, you know, you're out there looking for something you don't know. Like, don't your know. soulmate, may, you already may have that person in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, like, kind of cultivate those relationships. To this day, we're best friends. To this day, we've mm. never had an argument. Mm. It is the best relationship ever that I have in my life. And um, she helped me. Really, really accept and become myself. Mm. So, God bless her. That's awesome. Her name is Donnie, by the way. God bless you, Donnie. That's awesome. God bless you, Donnie. Mm. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. Um, has your have you found that your style has also evolved with your sort of mm-hmm. journey? Yeah, I would say absolutely. I remember when I was younger. Um, well, it was a 90s also. So, like, the 90s was, like, these ridiculously <laughs> the baggy jeans, and they were kind of stupid. But I did do um, a lot of the trends at the time, you know? So I did my, you know, my Air Force Ones, and then um, I I also did, like, the really, really big shirts mm-hmm. and, like, the hat and the do-rag. Like, I did all oh, of Oh, you did crap. the do-rag? It was mm. terrible. I look at those pictures now, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is nuts. But I was also lucky fashion-wise because in New York, all of the guys were moving towards, early 2000s, were moving towards a skinnier jean. Mm. Moving towards a skinnier jean, um, moving towards, like, more adornment type of thing. So they were, like, piercings. or like, the two earrings. There was, like, a rope chain, and there was, like, bright colors oh, and yeah. pinks. Do you remember when that yeah, was Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I was actually kind of ushered in to this space where it was trendy um, to express yourself mm-hmm. in ways that are maybe like pushing the the button and pushing the ideas that ideals of what a man or boy should look like. Mm. So I definitely have transformed um, mm-hmm. as far as like my clothes and the way I carry myself and all of those things. But I feel like culturally I was just right on the cusp. Right it was it. I was very very fortunate. Yeah. But now um, for me, you know. As an old, like I'm 30, I turned 30 last year. I'm going to be 31 this year. Me too. Yes. Mm. High five. 31 though. It's kind of, it's like, it's I'm coming. not 30. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 30 was like, I'm 30, I'm here. But now I'm like 31. I'm like, you're in your 30s. I'm like, damn, I'm in it. I'm in it. But you know, it's all good. Okay. I, I went, I went shopping. I totally changed my wardrobe. Um, I, I got a tailor. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to oh. do this right. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And um, it's been amazing. I literally get stopped almost every day by someone who says, I like this or I like Mm. that. And um, straight men, gay men, women, you know, it's been... I just find that, like, once I accepted myself, it became more of a personal style type Mm, of thing. And you'll always be celebrated for personal style. I don't care who you are, what you dress like, punk... Um, if you're a metrosexual, if you're like eclectic, if you're like whatever it is, whatever it is, I think that people will celebrate you once that outside reflects what's going on in the That's inside. Right. So I think that that has happened for me. That's right. Yeah. So why a tailor? So like every outfit, are you saying every pair of pants? I literally took, Every blazer. Yeah, I took anything that didn't fit me the way that I wanted to fit me. And I think I took, if I'm not mistaken, around 25 pair of pants to the tailor last uh, fall, the beginning of the fall. Wow. Actually, I took some things during the summer, but by fall, I was like, no, we're going to do... I want to feel the way on the outside, the way that I feel on the inside. Mm. I got my stuff tailored. You know? So it's just made for... it. I mean, essentially, so it will look like it's made, made for, for you. Me. Yeah. For you. Mm-hmm. That even means like jeans. Even if they're H&M jeans, I still take them to retail. Wow. Mm-hmm. And do you think everyone should invest I in I think everyone should do that. I think everybody should take their stuff to the tailor. Is it I don't care if you are a bazillion pounds and you feel like you can't find the right thing, then you need to get your stuff made. If you are the skinniest person of all time, you can't find the right thing, you need to get your stuff tailored and have your or have it made because mm. and it doesn't matter like what your style is. You want it to literally fit you. You know what I mean? So is it expensive? I mean, I have no idea. Well, I found an amazing tailor. Um actually through a friend of mine named Chris. She's Haitian. She is, her name is Sunny. She's on Flatbush Avenue. Shout out. She's like on Avenue J or something like that off of Flatbush. Shout out to Sunny. She's amazing. And because I did so many things, she gave me a, a, a really, really good deal. And to be mm. honest with you, you can get your stuff, a lot of things tailored for less money than it would take to buy Beyonce tickets. That's how I feel about it. Beyonce. What are your priorities? You know what I mean? I love Beyonce. <laughs> but at what? the same time, I love Beyonce. But Ooh, at the same yeah. time, formation. I like myself. It's important to invest in yourself. It's important, especially because you don't know what kind of opportunity can be birthed simply by the way your inside and your outside align. Tell it. Oh, 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 Shondo, I cannot tell you how many opportunities have come. I was walking down the street after church just wearing a black, black on black situation, but I'd gotten everything tailored. And I ran into Bevy. I don't know if you know Bevy, but Bevy is like she's on that show. 
it's some it's with Miss Lawrence from the Atlanta Housewives and what are they called? Fashion Queens. Oh, okay. Um, Bravo. I don't know if you ever watched it. It's a it's it's really it's an insane show. They're really intense. And I don't even know if they got picked up for another season, but she's just known in New York as mm. a, as an expert in fashion and party throwing, and she's a personality. And we're walking down the street. I was with a couple of my friends, two of which got their clothes tailored as well. We use the same tailor. And she goes, you guys look amazing. She has this talk, <laughs> you guys look amazing. And she was with Ty Hunter, who was Beyonce's stylist. Mm. And they were like, yeah, you guys look really good. Oh, my God. You know, and we were going like this. We were, like, crossing each other. We weren't walking together. Mm. So, But who knows? Maybe if we were walking to each other, we would have talked more. And who knows what would have happened. But on a more regular basis, I've learned and I've experienced that this has been happening. Yeah. Not coincidental. Well, that's awesome because you never know when you step outside your door what's yeah. going to be yes. <laughs> what's going to be waiting for you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your career path because yeah. you were doing such interesting work. You have your show coming out. Yeah. How did you get involved from the beginning? So it's been an interesting road for me. So after college, and I, I studied sociology, so okay. I am a sociologist. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to be writing books forever? And I have mm. every intention of writing books. But um, when I left school, when I um, graduated, I <laughs> did everything. I worked at Zara as a visual merchandiser. I worked as an interior designer slash assistant. I've um, done so many things. But once I got into the corporate world, I've done marketing, I've done advertising, I've done all of this stuff. I'm in various positions in these mm. world. And I said to myself, like, wow, like it's it's been it's interesting. You know, you went to school for sociology and you've spent so much time getting to know the workings of people across cultures, across continents, across, you know, the various diversities that that are, you know, us, mm. we humans, right? And I was like, you're wasting your time. You're absolutely wasting your time. You are doing nothing to satisfy the needs of the world. And it really bothered me mm. a lot. So I made a couple of moves in that um, I moved from, I was working at eBay, then I moved over to AOL. and Huffington, Well, AOL owns Huffington Post. A lot of people don't know that. But I moved over to mm. AOL. And I was like, so I'm here. I'm working at AOL as a project manager, as an executive assistant for this really, really high level um, um, executive there. And taking on more responsibilities and then moving up and I was like I have to get in touch with the executive editor editor of um, Huffington Post Gay Voices because mm. scrolling through this particular property because as far as I'm concerned AOL owns this so it's our property I want to get familiar with the brands very very white there was mm. nothing there for me nothing I'm not interested in, in, in any of these things that are just so specific to the, a white man, mm. even more so than a white woman. Or, just or white any, man. Just, just very white man heavy. Mm. Mm. Um, and I was like, so I reached out to the executive a- editor and I said to him, you know, do you need any help with any projects? Do you need any help with anything so we can bring some uh, voice to, you know, black you know the black LGBT community. I love the way you said black. Yeah, yeah. And I think I yeah. even I think even in the email I said chocolate. I said like mm. black chocolate. We need, it needs some Bring chocolate. some flavor, some color. Yes, some something. Because this is I can't relate to this. And he said, Well, you know what? I don't need any special help. I don't need. I'm not working on any significant projects, but we can always use writers. Hmm. And um, that was about two years ago. And now, and I went ahead and I I submitted my first article. It was called. Um, um, 
being gay and Jamaican as if being gay wasn't enough. Mm. Long ass title, but I was like, I'm going to fit it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's called Growing Up Gay and Jamaican if, as if being gay wasn't enough. Jamaican people traditionally, I actually get a lot of hate mail from Jamaican people, but um, Jamaicans are very, very anti-LGBTQRS, everything. Like, they don't like anything, pretty Mm -hmm. much. But when you're gay, you're automatically, like, you're a target. Um, You're automatically fish food, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know... That's that's where I started writing this article, and it got it did very very well, and they gave me access to go ahead and, and, and submit articles all the time. So that's why that's how I reached that particular platform by seeing that there was a deficit, and saying I need to do something about mm-hmm. it, and then that presented itself as an opportunity to fill that void, one voice. But now I see that there are so many other people on that platform of color who are coming in and just representing in various ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I had somebody even comment on one of my articles saying that, you know, you're not, this doesn't represent bisexual people. I said, you need to write. Write about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not bisexual. Right. I can't identify with that. We're brothers. You know, I'm gay men, and you may have been in what I would consider to be a gay relationship because if you're with another man, that's how I would identify it. You know, so we have that in common, but I don't necessarily know about your fluidity. Um, and you need to write about it and don't hold me accountable. Mm. And I realize at the same time that if I want to see myself, then I need to hold myself accountable for that. And I need to create safe spaces. And that is how I've gotten where I am. It's by writing and presenting my work in such a way. And then the universe, I'm a very spiritual person, so me I too. consider it to be, yes, the universe, God, whatever you call the supreme being, um, aligned everything for me and that's how I even got to Dateable and I got to meet you or you know recently Ty even has asked me to join him in some other endeavors that he wants to do so I'm doing that and then I was like I think we need even more visibility and that's where the show idea has come in that in addition to my marketing and advertising experience has really made me not think about this in terms of it just being a project that Mm. I can do but it's about, you know, having the intention to satisfy the needs that we have mm. meets the expertise that I have and meets the passion and the drive. And, and, and it's all coming together beautifully. And um, I have tunnel vision and I'm really, really excited about where things can go. And I'll say to anybody who wants to, if you're passionate about anything, I just say, think about what is missing and how you can fill that void and serve a purpose with really, really good intention. And I believe that the universe, God, everybody, everything will conspire to help you with that. So mm-hmm. that's that's how I, I did it. I tried a lot of things, realized that it was crap, decided to move in the direction of the things that mean something and how I can mm-hmm. satisfy the world in whatever capacity I could. And that's how this was birthed, you know? That's Yeah. That's amazing. It's very inspiring. So you sort of opened the door for all of these other LGBT yeah. Yeah. People who are of color who mm-hmm. want to write and talk about their lives and document yeah, yeah. our stories. Are there a lot of women that write? There or... are, are quite a few, um, but on various platforms because I've okay. been seeing like, you know, on, on different on different uh, websites, different publications, I've been seeing more and more work. It's been exciting mm. to see. Like I know for me when I was, when I was like, I'm going to write um, and I went through those, I didn't see anything. And then... I went back in like some of the archives um, just after finding a specific person. His name is Darnell Moore. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know Darnell. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he, I, he was like in my mind, he was like a mentor in my head, even though I eat nothing. I was like, do you want to be my mentor? He never eats. Anyway, that's that's okay. We love mentorship. you anyway. We love you anyway, Darnell. But you know, mentorship is it's important. Oh. But we go. I want. I'll, I'll okay. go back to that. Okay. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so I saw some work from him, and he also very, and he was also very inspiring to me. Mm. And we did meet. We did meet, and he was doing a talk for something, and he invited me, and then we had a conversation after that, and that's pretty much where it ended. However, that one conversation and that we had inspired me to continue because I knew that. If there's one Darnell and there's a Donovan, then there will be a George and a Billy and whoever. And we're all, it's it's like over the last two years, I've seen more and more and more and Good. more and more people. Um, young, even like I have young writers who are like just leaving college who are now writing on mm-hmm. like various platforms after emailing. I remember them emailing me and saying, hey, how did you get started? Like, how did you do this? And now they're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It's like, I get so excited thinking about it because this is what we have to do. If you want to see yourself, if you want to hear that voice in a public space, because we deserve to be, we deserve to have our stories told, as Mm -hmm. you suggested at the top of this conversation, and we have to do, we have to do it for ourselves. We have to do it. Yeah. I was scared for a really long time to tell my story, you know, because I didn't think that there was an audience. As as weird as that sounds, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I mean... I don't know. It's just like my little story of coming yeah. out. Yeah. And when I made a decision to do this podcast, the first episode was just me talking basically about what it was like for me to yeah. come out and how my style has evolved and what it's meant to me. Right. But, and, and since then I've written some articles, but in doing that and being more authentic mm-hmm. and just being raw about mm-hmm. what I've gone through, the amount of feedback and positive energy I've received from that has been amazing and I find the more that you open yourself up and you mm-hmm. as hard as it is but the more that you're vulnerable and real about what it's like to be you other people will because so many people are looking to find themselves in media yes. right that's the thing we're always looking like who looks like me who can I identify with yes. and if you spend so much time in a an office space where you're the only one or Whatever the case is, where you're always looking for yourself and other people, and you are able to find stories or just a platform where you can tell your own story. Amazing. Oh my gosh. It's that soul to soul connection. Yes. That soul to soul connection is almost indescribable. It's like a warm, tingly, mm. familiar feeling. And you can get that through reading, right? Yeah. You, you can you, get that through seeing and seeing, like they say, yeah. seeing is believing. Like once you mm-hmm. once you're able to do that, so it's like a you know these various platforms I think are so important. So if you're a writer, if you're an actor, if you're a motivational speaker, if you're a life coach, if you're a if you're just in an office and you can volunteer somewhere on the weekends, whatever, whatever your platform mm-hmm. is, once you understand, I I keep I think I think her name is Brene. Brown, if I'm not mistaken, Oprah has highlighted her a couple of times. And her her spiel is on vulnerability Mm. and how important it is to be vulnerable. And and, it has changed my life. It has changed my life. When you say to somebody, baby, let me tell you about what I've experienced Mm. and how rough that was for me. I'm not here speaking to you as an authority. I'm speaking to you as Somebody who has who can now say that I'm wise to this, I'm hip to this, mm. in my you know special nuanced experience, and you can find so much comfort in knowing that somebody's story, although they may have like once again their nuances, but 
we relate on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. I experienced that. I know what it's like to be to feel lonely and misunderstood and not fitting in. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. That's a thing. That is a thing, and it's a strong and it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And like you've experienced, and like I've experienced, is that once you put that guard down, and once you invite people into this experience, because remember that's how we got where we are. People will just be like, "Wow, thank you." Mm-hmm. It's the most insane, gratifying, and humbling experience for somebody to say what you have written, what you have said, and what you have expressed has touched me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. I don't know where life is going to go from here. <laughs> yeah. But in knowing that I can now do for somebody what I didn't feel as a as 10-year-old Donovan, like what I didn't experience and as, as 12-year-old Donovan, it makes me feel amazing to know that I can possibly provide that for someone mm-hmm. else, even if they're a grown man. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? It's like soul to soul, soul to soul. And that's what we all want. That's what we all yearn for. But, you know, there's a, it's a bit of, you know, a lot of actually vulnerability that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. So I feel you on that. Yeah. 100%. And that takes time and that takes being comfortable. So. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any books that you're reading right now that ins- that are like, it's just it, it's inspiring for you? Yeah, well, I am a huge fan of <laughs> the sappy kind of self-help books. Yes, me too. Oh, hi five. Once again, <laughs> Return to Love, Marion mm-hmm. Williamson, The Alchemist um, are two of my Staples. Mm-hmm. They're staples. I actually have them in my bedroom on my little stand next to my little seating area that mm-hmm. I have in my very pre-war apartment that I love. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have those <laughs> books, and, and they're important. They're really, really important, people. Like, if you can get to The Alchemist, and if you can get Return to Love, um, they've been everything to me. So, so you return to them? like you? Yes, I go back to them. Okay. Yes. Because okay. you remember when The Secret was, like, the big mm-hmm. thing? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is amazing. I have actually the DVD of The Secret. Um, like, well, if I don't want to read it, I'm going to listen to it. But show enough, believe that. But, you know, these other books, because it, it, the journey is even more detailed, even more personal. And I just, I just love them. So, you know, I'm actually not, I'm not reading them right now because I've been caught up in like my own work and like doing things, but I'm going to probably pick up something new. Someone recommended another book to me. I cannot remember the name of it right now. But it's along the same lines mm. of uh, more so The Alchemist. Okay. Um, and anything that Deepak, I've read a couple of books from Deepak Chopra. You, everybody gets everybody. to get into him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anything like that is what I what I love. Mm-hmm. The the language, the the the. I, I've learned so much that sometimes I can't even remember where I've learned them. I need to be like Oprah and like know where I got these quotes from and things like that in my life. But. Um, they're amazing. And and the way that we absorb things and what we listen to, whether it's music or whether we read or write, it affects us. So I've learned that sometimes when I get to a place where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. I pray. I go to church. Um, and I go to a very specific church. Not any church, y'all. I find a good church. Um, that you feel comfortable in being that yourself. That you feel comfortable being yourself. Yes. Yourself, you're not making alterations, you're not changing. You're like, the church. let me go into church and change it you up. Put on no. this suit, this weird, ill fitting suit. So now <laughs> I look like you know, I'm no, I, I don't do that. Um, but once I, I get into these books and I and I read, even if they're just like think pieces, whatever, mm-hmm. 
It is to edify my soul and my mind and my spirit and my energy. Um, so that's really, really important to me. So I'm not like a romance novel kind of guy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Um, we, you know. Yeah, that's come on. Fine. Get your romance on. That's okay. Because okay? I'm not dating. So maybe I should read a romance <laughs> no- novel. But um, I do really subscribe to those types of books. Okay. You know, they mean everything. Is that the way that you maintain your work-life balance? Is it through prayer and med- yeah. do you meditate and mm-hmm. read? Is that mm-hmm. how you keep a balance in your life? I do. And then also, I have amazing friends. Mm. My friends and I, we go to church together. We fellowship together, even if that means we just go to each other's apartments and like have a glass of champagne and we talk about like how our week was. Like literally this past Sunday, two of my friends, one, we went to church early in the day with another friend, but then he, one of our friends couldn't come. So we all went to my apartment. So there wound up being three of us. We cooked with each other. You're invited. We cooked with each (laughs) other. Thank you. We cooked with each other. We had some champagne. We talked about our day. We talked about church. Mm-hmm. We turned on a little bit of TV, even though I don't think we watched TV. Mm-hmm. The dog was running around. We played with her. Oh, my God. We you have TV. a dog. I do. Yes, right. Big up to Quinn. Shout yes. out to Quinn. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and um, that is a major part of my mm-hmm. work-life balance. Mm-hmm. It's a major part of like coming back to home, coming mm-hmm. back to center, and... Um, you know, saying, guys, you know, I've been working on branding for my project, and then we talk about that, and then at the same time, we can talk about how, you know, we're dating, how our dating lives are. And then we talk about, we talk about everything. It, it's everything mm-hmm. to me, you know, having that safe space with friendship. That's so So important. while I love to, we, and we talk about the books that we read, too. Every morning, I have a friend of mine who sends, like, a daily bread type of, like, word, you know, scripture to oh, us. Okay. Um, so I start off my day that way, which is... Once again, that type of balance is offered that way even before I hit these doors to come into my office. And, um, yeah, I have a very balanced, well-balanced life. Even though I work a lot, I still have a very healthy mm. balance. And, and I owe a lot of that to these types of friendships. We support each other. And we, it's so important. I know, and I realize that a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. But you know, you got to get it. You have to get it. It's a ref- it's, and your friends are a reflection of you. So if you're looking for positivity and you're looking for love and life, and passion and support, you have to have friends who mm-hmm. subscribe to those things as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky I do. Yeah. And it's okay to know when people are not giving you that yeah. and say, you know, this is not healthy. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have trouble doing that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So surround yourself with positive energy and positive people absolutely. all the time. And absolutely. If somebody, and if anybody comes around with funky energy, mm. What's going on? Mm. You're a little funky today. What's going on? And that's what we do with my friend. Like, you it's talk very, about yeah, it. Yeah, we talk about it, like yeah. what's going on, and we we help each. It's so important. It's so important. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm also very. I'm, I'm crazy about energy. You know. Mm-hmm. What does Oprah say? Oprah, you're getting a lot of shouts out. Shout outs during this. Shout out. Um, she says she had like in her offices when she was at Harpo Studios, I believe at the time. She probably now has it with her at the own offices, but it says something like be responsible for the energy that you come in mm. you know, into the space, right? And I live my life that way. I'm very responsible for my energy. It's if you catch me on a day where I'm like mm, something, something bad, happened. really bad must have happened. What is your sign? I'm a Gemini. Yes. Oh. I'm a Gemini. What's June? I'm May 30th. Oh, you're May 30th. May 30th. You're a May Gemini. I'm a May Gemini. And, you know, people, we talk about like that all the time. But Mm -hmm. I've realized that there is a correlation with me. I'm very big on balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like a good balance. 
like we were talking about before, male, um, uh, masculine and, and feminine energy. I like, you know, being really, really careful with people's uh, with people's feelings, but at the same time trying to be honest. Mm. I I like that. I like balance. I it, it works for me, and that may that may be the Gemini action there because mm. people are like they're crazy. I'm like, well, I really don't identify as crazy. <laughs> However, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I'm like, I do yearn for balance. You want to balance? Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm a, a Gemini cusp, Cancer, oh. June twenty first. So it's like. The beginning of cancer, oh. so I understand a little bit of both. You feel me? Yeah, okay, yeah. I feel you. You have great energy, so oh, thank you. Yeah, it's important. It's um, is there a favorite quote that really that maybe you look at every day, or that really motivates you? Yeah, there are two. One, I remember I was in the seventh grade, and there was this girl. I believe her name is Crystal Carrington, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not even sure if it was Crystal who said this. I don't remember where it came from, but I know she was in the room. Mm. Um, so that's my point of reference. But someone said, 10% of what matters is the situation. And 90% of what really and truly matters is the way that you respond to it. And that really resonated with me from 12 years old. Mm. That no matter what happens to you, you have the power to react to it in a certain and specific type of way to determine how well you survive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we experience so many things. We experience death. We experience tragedy. We experience misfortune. And we're, no one's an exception to that. Mm-hmm. No one's an exception. And God knows if you haven't experienced those things, how lucky you are. Um, but how do you deal with it? You know, that's a practice. It's a muscle. But... Because I've been practicing it since I was 12, I think I have really been able to say to myself sometimes, Donovan, that 90%, 90%, and that really mm. means a lot to me. So that's one quote. Then another quote, I don't know if it's a combination of me hearing it or me coming up with it. I don't know. But there was one time when I was reading every book ever that was about goodness. Okay. And this idea of, I'm going to put it in a quote, um, Every tree casts a shadow. So a beautiful, luxurious, fruit-bearing tree Mm. will cast a shadow. And that's important to remember. So you may have big dreams. You may have big aspirations. You may have a big life. But there's always darkness that can be there. Mm. Right? There's darkness that can exist. But you can't live there. You can't live in that space because you're a tree. You have the opportunity to... um, grow and flourish and be in the splendor that is the sun and light. So don't get distracted by that automatic fear that may come along with a big dream or a big life or a big whatever. Bask in the fruit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I guess the quote would be um, every tree casts a shadow. Mm -hmm. um, Simply put. But the actual lesson in that quote is that you want to live in that positive space as opposed to like, you know, the negative space. Mm -hmm. So those are two major ones for me. I you love know? that. Yeah. It yeah. really applies to my life because, you know, over the last couple of, I would say the last year, I've been getting like an overwhelming amount of hate mail. Because, really? Yeah, because of the writing. Um, lots of hate mail and lots of negative things. Lots of positive things. Mm-hmm. But how easy is it to look at, to look at those comments? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've heard some stuff. And like looking at the comments and thinking to yourself, wow, this makes me really, really angry. And I have to remind myself, like, Don, 
you have this huge life, you know, like you're not already, I live my life like it's a huge life because I'm here. So let's be excited about the work that we do and not get caught up in those mm-hmm. in the shadow, you know? Because, you know, one thing I think about is, yes, you're receiving hate mail, but they read your article. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And so that's something we have to always spin around. It's like, it hurts, but it's like you took the time to read my article, right. read it so much so that you can then make a comment about a specific yeah. thing that I said. Yeah. It, it, it has left an impression and, on you, yeah. Yeah, and no matter what we do, you know, it, there's always going to be... Right. There's always going to be that shadow, which you just can't live there. That quote is everything. That quote gonna, is everything. I'm going to actually like look that. and see if that is from someplace. <laughs> and Because it never registered yeah. to me as a quote. It's just like a way of life for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, now, did you come up with that? That's deep. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research it. And I'll reach out to you separately. Okay. Maybe you can update Yeah, I will. I'll listeners. update it. I'll update um, it. But it's, it's major. It's a major way that I live my life. Okay, question. Yeah. Come on, hit me. What is it? If you could be like your alter ego self, mm. what would your other career be? Mm. Wow. Ooh, what would it be? <laughs> Ooh, I think it would be like a professional tennis player. Is that weird? Oh. Is that weird? No. Alter ego? I don't know. Really? But I have a huge passion for the game. I just love how you can take out all of your aggression on a tennis ball with a racket and just hit the snot out of it. And um, I, I play tennis whenever I can. And I think that I have a natural ability for it. Mm-hmm. And I always thought to myself, God, if I wasn't in this space, I would have honed in on that ability. Really? And I was like, where, where would I have been? Like, you know, with Serena, I'd be like, hey, what's good, girl? Hey, girl. You're doing that good on that side. I'm over here killing it on this side. Hey, um, yeah, so that's always something that I thought in my head about that's being a cool. tennis player. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So that's something you could really get into. I love it. I could, I could, mm. I could play. And when I was in college, especially like you know on my downtime, I would go. I would literally play for like four, six hours straight, and not even like take a break, not go to the bathroom, not do just play. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it, it's something that I absolutely love. So I think Donovan, like on the other plane, is probably playing tennis right now. Mm. He probably hmm. he's probably sweating a lot playing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hanging out with Venus and, and Serena. hanging out with Venus, Serena, Rafa, oh. um, Roger Federer, see, Djokovic, and all of them because we're all dope in my mind. You see, those are those, that's your circle. That's my circle. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. This is something, and this is random, but this is something I'm curious about. Earlier on, you talked about you know when you were first you know dating. Yeah. It was like you were only interested in masculine men yeah so in the lesbian or queer women community mm-hmm. there's been a lot of discussion about stud on stud right dating you know where like two right. masculine women mm-hmm. date each other mm-hmm. and i was wondering like if like it and it's sort of been sort of like a negative thing really like that's weird mm. um you know, there have been some documentaries made about it. So I was wondering your thoughts on that or if that's something that you've experienced. Or... Wow, I think that that's very interesting. I do. But but I can intellectualize it and I can see that if we subscribe to gender roles, how that would make, that would be problematic, right? Mm. So if I am 
a stud and so so, so that would mean that I take on the more masculine mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. then I'm not going to be looking for somebody who takes on a masculine role I'm going to be looking for someone who takes on the feminine role right so I can intellectualize that but I don't think that that necessarily works in the gay community um, because I think that this is, this is funny There's an, there was an article that I read like maybe like a year and a half ago and they were talking about how gay men date each date themselves what do you so, mean? So, for example, uh, the guy who goes to the gym and he's really, really buff, and maybe, I, I don't know what the term is, uh, butch queen, I think is the term for, oh. like, a very masculine uh, man, but you, he'll go to the club and he'll, you know, he's partying like everybody else. I think okay. he's called a butch queen. Oh, I thought butch queen was, like, more feminine. Okay. Oh, maybe, I don't maybe, know. maybe. I'll oh, see, I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> if I'm using the wrong language, y'all, I apologize. Let's just say this. Let's say two masculine men okay. who go to the gym on a regular basis, so muscles are really, really important to them. He's looking for a man who's very muscular, who's very masculine. Hmm. Yeah. And that's something common. And that is something common. It's not, it's not so, the other um, way. It's not like a, 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 a masculine man is out there looking for the for a feminine man. No. I, I would say it's not like that at all. I think men covet masculinity. So whether you're a masculine man or a feminine man, chances are you're looking for a masculine man, which puts mm. feminine men at a disadvantage or marginalizes um, mm. feminine men because they're underappreciated and undervalued. In the gay community. So typically, two feminine men would. So two, typically, two feminine men would not would happen. Not. Maybe that would be the version yeah. of, um, yeah. you know, the stud on stud. So I'm not saying that I haven't seen it. I have seen it, mm. but usually feminine men are like, oh no, he's too girly. I'm not dating him. Isn't that interesting? And that Super speaks weird. to. I think that just speaks to how femininity, femininity in general, is viewed, and it's like a power thing. It's I you know? hate it. It all comes back to but sexism, it's true. and people always miss that. Yeah, right. Well, high five to you because yes. it hasn't escaped you. But it all comes down to sexism yeah. and how people view women mm-hmm. and how feminine femininity is characterized and and held to such a lesser standard than what masculinity naturally comes with. But we live in a, you know, a patriarchal society. We do. And, but it's gross. Because now I can, now, once again, unlearning and the evolution of the mind is that I can really appreciate a feminine. I've dated quite a few feminine men who, oh, they just, I, for me, it's like I'm really, really excited by them. Yeah. You know, like, he really, really excites me. Um but at the same time, I also can look at a masculine man and be very excited as well. So I think I have that type of view, but it's an evolution. I've even seen some of my friends now date more feminine men. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it is. like It is something about psychologically, mm-hmm. right? You have to tell yourself it's okay. And yeah. You sort of have to be more open yeah, to it. Yeah. And then you have to also be unwilling to admit that you've been impacted. Mm. by the images that you've seen you have been impacted and maybe have well you have impacted and subscribed to what society says is to what you're supposed to aspire to right Mm. like masculinity is what we covet once again in society and and uh, a woman is to aspire to find the most masculine man who's gonna you know pick her up and put her on his horse and ride off into the sunset with her and provide for her. Mm. Um, and then if you're a gay man and you subscribe to that, if you are not a naturally, quote-unquote, naturally masculine man... Naturally masculine? Oh. That's a thing. If you're not a naturally masculine man, then you may default 
to right. this woman role mm-hmm. that may not even belong to you, but that you may subconsciously take on as your own. And mm-hmm. then here you are in this position where you're looking for a football player as opposed to the guy who's really, really into you next to you who may like who may be an incredible mm-hmm. Beyonce fan. Mm-hmm. Beyonce. It's like just, Beyonce. But you know what? It's just about opening your mind. I mean, it when is. we were on that panel, it's like being open to not what everything is kind of fed to you by right. society, but yeah. what really fits for you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all of this nonsense, I think, dissipates when we start to see it as love. Oh, yeah. And beauty. L-O-V-E, love. You have mm-hmm. to really say, I am going to take a step back. Especially when it comes to dating, because that panel was on dating, even though it's so much bigger than that. But if you're going to talk about dating, right, and then you 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 are willing to put the man that or the woman or the whomever into this box, then at some point you're going to have to acknowledge that you put yourself into a box as well. Mm-hmm. And if you can acknowledge that, then maybe there's some work there for you. Maybe you're willing to step up to the plate and do mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. And maybe that that is when amazing things begin to happen in your life. And then I'm, I would assume in your dating life as well. That's right. Whatever it is. And shout out to Dateable. Shout out to Dateable. Love you guys. Love you guys. They're awesome. Well, Donovan, thank you so much oh for gosh. joining me. You're my first male interviewee. That's really exciting. <laughs> a trendsetter um, photo over here. That's trendsetter. Yes. So I'm going to include your information in the yes, notes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, but check out his work. He's amazing. Thank and you. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Yes. And we'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, say what you need to say. Be bold and be awesome. Bye. Bye.